Hey everybody, this is Diane. And this is Kate. And welcome to Artwise. So today I have a episode for you. Much anticipated. Yes, yes, much anticipated was mentioned last <laughs> week. Very, very awaits. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so this episode, we're going to be talking about Jackson Pollock. Yay! Yeah, so um, just kind of the life of Jackson Pollock. I've, I've named the episode The Secret Life of Jackson Pollock um, just because, but no, yeah, none of this is really secret. <laughs> you can find it online like I did. But it's, <laughs> a lot of people don't know uh, the details of his life. Um, because a lot of people are not huge fans of Pollock. Um, I don't know how you feel about his artwork, but I think it's, uh, it was, it was interesting for the time. It was cool in the time that it, that it was. Yeah. So (laughs) if that that makes sense. (laughs) So for anyone who doesn't recognize immediately the name Pollock, Jackson Pollock is the guy who kind of invented the, um, drip painting style of artwork. Um, and the reason a lot of people didn't like him, especially like during the time that that, you know, he was popular is because everybody mm-hmm. looked at it and thought I could do this. I could do this. Myself. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. He, he just splattered paint on a canvas. I could do this myself. And like everybody thought that. But yeah, mm-hmm. the thing about about Pollock that I enjoy is that even though it looks like anybody can do it, if, if you really look at his paintings, the compositions are so well thought out that it, it really shows so much control over a medium that is so hard to control does that make sense yeah no i that makes perfect sense yeah looking i just googled him just a couple seconds ago just looking through his work yeah a lot of it is very yeah the compositions you're right he he was very good at controlling his medium yeah and as someone who has a a a big issue with paint especially with controlling (laughs) like liquid mediums i think that he really like is is one of the greatest artists to come out of America. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a lot of those. And I think that he was a, a genius um, and a tortured soul, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Jackson Pollock was born on January 28th, 1912 um, in Cody, Wyoming. So he's, oh. a, he's, an, he's an Aquarius. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Air Western signs, Aquarius. Yes, mm-hmm. West. <laughs> Uh, he is the youngest of his parents five sons Um, oh my gosh yeah that's a lot of kids (laughs) um, and so uh, something interesting that isn't really Pollock's life but I just thought it was kind of a little crazy is that uh, Pollock's dad was actually adopted so his his parents died and his neighbors actually took him in and raised him and his brothers and sisters so at birth uh, his father's name uh, was Leroy McCoy. Ooh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm perfect. Uh, but um, after, he, you know, he was adopted by the Pollocks, uh, they they changed him and his siblings' last name to, to Pollock. And that's why Jackson Pollock's last name is also Pollock. Oh, that's interesting. By blood, he's not really a Pollock. He's a Pollock via adoption which you know he's still a pollock but not yeah. by blood which i thought was interesting yeah i had no idea yeah i didn't know that either i thought that was super interesting 
As he was growing up, um, when Pollock was eight years old, uh, his father left his family um, due to his father suffering from alcoholism. Um, so he would still visit and spend time with his father minimally mm-hmm. growing up, um, but he wasn't really a part of the household anymore because of his alcoholism. Okay. Crappy, crappy dad. Yeah. I mean, he still spent time with them. He just, he had an addic- addiction and he was an, mm-hmm. a victim of, of the addiction. So, you know, yeah. I tend, when when people have issues like that, I, I tend to blame uh, the substance more than the person. That's because, fair. you know, some people are just have like addictive personalities and it's just mm-hmm. very easy for them to get fixated on just one thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, that's for sure. Every, everybody looks at those things differently. I haven't had mm-hmm. much experience with it in my life, so I, I don't really I'm not really qualified to say <laughs> I'm sure that, you know, there are a lot of people who would disagree and be like, no, it's the person's fault for starting in the first place. But I don't know. That's just how I think of it about Mm -hmm. it um controversial a bit too controversial for this podcast but anyways (laughs) yeah he was an alcoholic and he left his family um (laughs) and then uh in 1928 to 1929 uh when pollock went to high school he kind of began like causing problems oh yeah so he got into a lot of fights uh, he was expelled from his first high school in 1928. Oh, no. Yeah. And and then from there, he went on to get accepted and attend the Manual Arts High School in Echo Park, California in 1929. Um, and that's also his his brother went there. So his old... I told you there was five kids, right? Yeah. So Jackson was the youngest. And his oldest brother's name was Charles Pollock. And he was also an artist. And he actually went to the Manual Arts High School in Echo Park, like, long before Pollock went. Um, okay. But, yeah, so he, he gets accepted to this arts high school in California in 1929. But he also got expelled from that school as well for starting fights. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. What a troublemaker. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, artists be like that, though, sometimes. So It's true. You know. <laughs> Um, so in May of 1930, uh, he actually moves to New York with his brother Charles so that they could both attend the Art Students League. Uh, and this is where they studied under Thomas Hart Benton. Okay. So yeah, uh, his brother Charles, who he moved to New York with, was actually 10 years older than him. So there was a a pretty big gap. Yeah. Um, And yeah and well there's five of them so i kind of i get it (laughs) if they had a kid every two years then yeah that would be right um since he's the oldest but uh charles was also deemed the most talented artist of the family so everybody thought that charles was like the one that was going to be famous out of the two of them but they they both loved art and um, I think it's notable that uh, Jackson like looked up to his brother as sort of like a father figure because his dad wasn't around and his brother was so much older than him. And I think that's part mm-hmm. of the reason why he kind of leaned towards art because I think he wanted to that be like sense. his brother. That's speculation. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I didn't like read that somewhere, but like that, that's that just like sense, yeah, that's just what I what the first thing that came to my mind is because obviously like if you have an older sibling or like a parent parental figure that does something it's like 
very like common for, you know, like myself, my dad's an artist and now I'm an artist. It's, it's just common for people to like follow, you know, and their parents are like older siblings, like footsteps and do similar things. Mm hmm. That, yeah, that makes sense. As the oldest sibling, uh, <laughs> actually, my brothers didn't follow in my footsteps very much, but but you <laughs> Mine know, didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> Being the oldest sibling, yeah, that's that makes sense though. Yeah, I'm also the oldest. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't think my brother really wants to do anything that I want to do, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyways, um, Pollock obviously like looked up to his brother and inspired to be like him and that's part of why they you know went to new york together so Mm -hmm. i just thought that was interesting yeah um so um leroy um uh pollock died on march 5th of 1933 um there isn't like a ton of of documentation of how Pollock dealt with the death of his father. But um, I think it's apparent that he did struggle and like go through a depression and also Mm -hmm. struggle with alcoholism himself um, because he would, he would consistently get into fights um, with his brother and his, his, his brother's wife, Elizabeth. Um, So he Mm -hmm. lived with them. Okay. And um, a scene from the movie. So there's actually a movie and if anybody gets the chance to watch it, I would highly recommend it. Uh, the movie is, I think it's like an indie film, but it's really good. It's called Pollock, and it came out in the year 2000. And it's just about his life. And it's like just, you know, like a little biopic that's like reenacted um, by actors. Um, and I really enjoy it. Yeah. And um, at this part in the movie uh, around this time, there, they actually depicted um, a fight where, um, you know, he got into a fight with his brother's wife and he threatened to murder her with an axe and proceeded to cut one of his brother's painting in half, paintings in half with the axe. Oh, my God. Which, yeah, which was actually supposed to be in an exhibition later on. Um, so that's one of the scenes they depicted as sort of an example and I totally believe it given like he you know fought people got expelled from school twice yeah and yeah so he kind of that kind of reminds me of Van Gogh and his and his brother and his brother's wife because it I mean clearly they're you know supporting him and letting him live in their house but yeah he seems very sporadic and a little bit you know crazy um, a little bit violent. Yeah. So, yeah. That that reminds me a lot of Van Gogh. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, three years later, um, Pollock actually started using and experimenting with liquid paint after a workshop in New York City that was held by muralist uh, David Sequeiros. And um, so that's when he kind of starts to use liquid paint and experiment with that. Um Okay. Which I thought was really cool. Um, yeah. And then the following year, um, he began to receive psychiatric treatment for his alcoholism. So I think like is it's important to note like him also following not only in like his older brother's footsteps, who he viewed as sort of a father figure, but also his real mm-hmm. father um, with the whole alcoholism thing. Yeah. Um, so he began to receive psychiatric treatment for alcoholism. 
And it, it became really apparent that he had like an, a real problem with alcohol, especially with, you know, him fighting with, uh, you know, his, his brother's wife and all that. Um, mm-hmm. So he, he does like go and seek treatment. Um, he also tries something that's called, uh, oh God, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, but uh, <laughs> Jugian therapy. It's J-U-G-I-A-N therapy um, oh. as a treatment for his alcoholism. So I've never heard of that. I hadn't either. Um, I looked it up and it's actually a type of psychoanalytic talk based therapy. Um, and it's meant to form like a better relationship between like your conscious and your unconscious. So basically like, yeah, I, I would imagine that it would be like, you know, sleep, sleep now. Okay. Tell me, tell me what's going on. And then you're like Mm -hmm. asleep and then you're like, you know, put back in time and you're like, okay, like I'm upset about this. and I'm feeling this way because this is happening. And then you wake up and you have no idea what happened. And your therapist is like, well, here's what you said. Uh, Good luck with that is basically like how I picture (laughs) it to be kind of. Yeah. Um, But you know, overall, basically like your therapist is meant to like bring light parts of your unconscious psyche to your conscious psyche so that you can sit down and be like, okay, this is like what's causing my issues. This is what's causing my trauma because, you know, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people um, who suffer from things like that, like don't really know why, you know, sometimes like, you know, you'll be anxious or depressed and you won't have a reason for it other than you just feel Mm -hmm. that way. And so like this kind of therapy is sort of meant to just tell you why you're feeling that way and mm-hmm. you know yeah so yeah that makes sense yeah so that's uh one of the things that he tried um you know to get help for when he was um first like initially dealing with alcoholism uh the alcoholism uh it's also noted that it's it's something that he's dealt with for his entire adult life um and continues to struggle with even after the therapy um mm-hmm. So in 1938, uh, Jackson Pollock is actually commissioned to work for the WPA Federal Art Project. Um, oh, so dang. this is actually, yeah, yeah, super cool. Um, this is a, uh, a visual arts program, and it, it was basically created uh, to support artists like Pollock and like modern artists and artists who are doing like all these cool new things as a part of the New Deal Works Progress Administration um, Federal Program. Uh, so that's pretty cool that he got, um, he was like supported by like the government even. Um, and obviously yeah. he, wasn't, he wasn't the only artist to do this. There were other artists in the program, uh, like his his later on, um, who he ends up marrying. Her name is uh, Lee Krasner. She was also a part of the WPA Federal Art Project as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, they don't um, do stuff like that anymore. <laughs> they don't have to. Uh, so some some people say that like, the main reason behind this program and um, behind like them supporting artists so heavily during this time period um, was like a gateway into working with the CIA in, um, you know, the late forties, early fifties oh, okay. um, mm-hmm. during his drip period. But 
um, I think like personally, uh, a part of like this federal program was to find um, artists uh, in preparation for the Cold War. I know it hadn't happened yet at this time. It was still 10 years out, but like, I mean, they had to That's know super something was going to come of it. Yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah. Very interesting. Not a lot of people know that, but I thought it was cool. Yeah. So in July of 1943, uh, Jackson Pollock is actually commissioned to create a mural for Peggy Guggenheim uh, in her town home. Oh. Yeah. So, um, and after he finishes this painting, all these people end up seeing it uh, because Peggy's like some big deal lady. Uh, and an artist. Is she like named- A. Guggenheim? Like, is that, is she, like, a part of the Guggenheim family? Well, I mean, that's her last name, so I guess so. <laughs> well, yeah. you know the, like, the Guggenheim Museum, right? Is that, is that her thing? Like, is that her family's thing? Probably. I I didn't look into that, I'm gonna be honest. Probably. No, good. It would make sense, because she's really about, like, the arts and stuff, and she really helps his career, because art critic Clement Greenberg saw this mural, and he literally, like, came out and declared Pollock as the greatest painter that this country has ever produced, after he saw oh, this Oh, wow. Painting. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I tend to huh. agree, um, especially because, like, in, in America, there's you know, very few painters that I would be like, they were geniuses. But Pollock, yeah. I think, was a genius. And like I said earlier, to have such control over a medium that's known for being difficult to control, especially through the process of dripping it and still having, like, these amazing compositions that, like, mm-hmm. I-, I know it's abstract art and I know it looks like anybody can do it, but... yeah. It's that's just not the case. And I think that obviously, like Clement Greenberg saw in, you know, Pollock, like what I tend to see in Pollock, which is like, this is like incredible that he's able to have so much control and like such like good planning for such a medium that's not, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I remember learning about I remember learning about um, Pollock in, in art history class. Um, and we watched like a short documentary on and they they really talked about how he had control over the medium and it, yeah he definitely did <laughs> yeah he he was really and like it sucks because Pollock was not I'm not saying like Pollock was this great man most artists especially the famous ones are not great people like Warhol was a jerk we know Warhol was a jerk I enjoy mm-hmm. his art but that doesn't mean I love him as a person. But it's it's a trend that, like, we continue to see with these artists and, like, you know, how they live and how they exist. It's just sometimes mm-hmm. they're just not the best people. And while Pollock, you know, dealt with alcoholism and, 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 you know, struggled with a lot of things and, you know, dealt with depression and, you know, had this, like, kind of, like, you know, sad backstory that I feel like a lot of Americans have and can relate to especially Mm -hmm. from that time period where, you know, he comes from Wyoming and moves to New York with his brother to become an artist. He's living this like American dream. And, you know, I just think he's, he's a really great artist. And I think that it was really awesome that uh, Clement Greenberg, you know, did that for his career, because this is really one of the main things that like, sort of, you know, really got him started. So he was having all of these like little wins, but like nothing to make him like 
a household name until later, but we will get yeah. there. We will that get seems there. Like, <laughs> yeah, that seems like a common thread is that people that are that are genius tend to be a little bit crazy or a little bit troubled, um, or a lot troubled. Yeah, it, it's it's an interesting thing because that happens with a lot of, you know, musical artists as well. Um, yeah, crazy definitely seems to go along with genius. So, yeah, it's very it's, sad. It's, it's sad, um, but, you know, it's. I also find it, like, incredibly interesting that, you know, despite, like, struggles, and I think that's part of it, the reason why a lot of these, like, very famous artists are, are so well-known and, like, such household names is because you can see their struggles through their art, and that's something that you know, not everyone gets to experience and it's the closest thing to that's true. Yeah. Being into someone else's, you know, troubles mm-hmm. and experiences is is through their artwork, through music, through, you know, everything. It's it's just yeah. kind of incredible. I really enjoy it. I know a lot of people, you know, talk down on Pollock because his art just looks like something anybody can do, but I mean, mm-hmm. if you're if you're an artist, you know how incredibly difficult it is to have such control and such good planning and such like this is what I want to make in my mind and making it an exact reality as opposed to like it looking different among, you know, other things. But yeah, yeah. So, I totally agree. Um, October of 1945, uh, Jackson Pollock marries artist Lee Krasner and um like I said before earlier on she actually worked um with him uh for the WPA federal art project and uh she was also an abstract painter um and what did her what what did her stuff look like honestly it's abstract painting um it honestly it looks very similar to Pollock's stuff um not with the drip painting, but just in a sense of like abstract, um, abstractness. I don't know how to describe it in words. Okay. If you want, I can send you a link to one of her paintings. I'm looking at, yeah, I'm looking at some of them now. They're, they're actually, yeah, they're super interesting to look at. Yeah, I'll put a link in the description of the episodes for anyone who wants to look at Pollock or, um, or Krasner's artwork. Um, I'll just put a, a link. Um, but yeah, she, uh, to me, like with the exception of the colors being like drastically different, um, their mm-hmm. compositions remind me a lot of, uh, of Pollock's work as well. I like, I like that she uses shapes. She, she uses shapes a lot more as well instead of just the, yeah. the drip. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, they seem like they would complement each other. Yeah, they really... I I really think they do, um, but we'll get into that a little bit more about their relationship a little bit later on. Um, okay. But uh, the following month after they got married in November, uh, Pollock and his wife bought a farmhouse in Long Island, New York, and Pollock converted the barn into his studio where he later perfected his drip painting technique which later on, obviously, like, as we know, that became his trademark and what he's known for, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is really cool. Um, Yeah. And I I just want to note that, like, in the movie, um, it kind of, it's made it seem from, like, me describing, 
these little wins that he has, you know, working um, on federal projects for the government and being commissioned um, and having art critics say that, you know, he's the best artist ever created. At the time when him and his wife um, moved uh, to this farmhouse in Long Island, um, he wasn't like some big name. He was still struggling to feed like himself and his wife, like by selling his art. He wasn't like a, he was having these little wins, but they were all years apart and he was still struggling um, for sure. And again, if you ever have the opportunity to watch the movie Pollock, I would highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it really shows like, I mean, it makes him look horrible, but I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of how he was in life. And I just think it was, it was a accurate depiction of him. Um, even if some of the uh, scenes were a little bit dramatized, like the scene where he threatens to kill his brother's wife with an axe <laughs> and then cuts a painting yeah. in half. I'm sure that was dramatized, you know, for the movie, but um, he wasn't some big name yet, but um in 1947 to 1950, uh, Pollock continued painting with his drip technique. And, you know, obviously now this is his signature, what he's remembered for. Um, and it ended up bringing him a considerable amount of fame and notoriety. Um, so this is actually around the time that Pollock partnered up with the CIA. So, ooh. This is the tea of the episode. I'm sorry it took me 26 minutes to get here, but it does happen later on in his life. So I kind of couldn't help <laughs> it. I have to give the backstory before I give the real tea. But this is my favorite fact about Jackson Pollock. <laughs> so during the 50s, at the start of the Cold War, the CIA actually used art by modern artists, including but not limited to Jackson Pollock. But I think Jackson Pollock was the most important one because his art was the most different from everybody else's. Um, as proof of the creativity, freedom of ideas, and cultural power that the United States had over communist Russia. So, basically, what I'm trying to say here is that <laughs> the idea was that Russia, among other communist countries, kept their citizens and artists in check. They had plenty of rules and regulations, even surrounding the artwork. Um, people that were raised in communist countries such as Russia um, kind of grew up in, inside of this box. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously, like in communist countries, you don't have like freedom, among other things. And yeah. um, the United States kind of used this against them and used artwork by artists like Jackson Pollock as proof that we're better. <laughs> <laughs> basically because the art was so much more like free-flowing and creative and mm -hmm. so different that you know communist russia just like could not com compete yeah. with the creative freedom of our country um and their artists could not compete yeah that's really interesting yeah that's something i you've brought it up a couple times but i didn't really know the extent to which that's just really cool <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. I think it's definitely great proof because um, I don't know if you're familiar with like artwork from Russia during that time, but most of the artists were, um, you know, like photorealism artists. They would paint something mm -hmm. that was photorealistic um, 
you know, and which is great. It's good to be technically skilled, but does that compare to somebody who's creating like something like Pollock where you look at mm-hmm. it and nobody, no one in the world is going to look at a Pollock painting and di- like diverge the same sort of like meaning out of it as the person next to yeah. it. It's, and that's like one of the things that's so great about abstract art is everybody, to everybody, it means something different. And in communist Russia, they had so many regulations on their artwork and so many rules and like things that, that their citizens were not allowed to do that they didn't have the freedom to create something that meaningful. And so the United States like used artists like Jackson Pollock and like among a few others as sort of this proof that you know, when you let people have the freedom to decide their life and decide what they want, they will Mm -hmm. create and become such better things. And this is kind of their reasoning behind saying, like, this is why, you know, we value our freedom, and why you should also value your freedom. And like, what Mm -hmm. they kind of use in the war as kind of this like proof and evidence. Yeah, it, it makes sense because when you think of I, I'm currently watching this show called The Queen's Gambit. I don't know if you've seen it. It's on it's on Netflix, but it's really good. Um, and she her goal in the end is to beat a Russian chess player. And yeah, the Russia in has always seemed very mechanical and that it's it's not the most creative, but it, like you have to be the best, but you have to follow the rules. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, like I've it's very structured. Yeah. Yeah. But that that makes sense for Russia though to yeah, if they had artists they would be very technically trained, very, you know, good at photorealism, but the creativity just just isn't there. It's not allowed to be there. And that was kind of part yeah. of their point as like, you know, art is kind of like a representation of mm-hmm you know, the people who create it and our country has some of the best artists in the world. And like, what are you is basically what they were trying to prove. Like, (laughs) you know, you have all these rules and regulations. um, And this is kind of like, why we're better. And like, here is our proof. And that's like, basically what they use as their sort of like evidence in their mind of, you know, proof Mm -hmm. and another thing that the cia also did um was they used the work of pollock specifically as a sort of propaganda okay so pollock's strip painting work was something that had never been done or even seen before um the idea of, of it people thought it was too easy people thought a lot of things about it people thought anyone can do that um but you can't argue that it wasn't different because no one had done it before. No one had thought to, yeah. to do that. So um, since something like that had never been seen before, um, abstract artwork in particular is just something that like, especially in communist Russia is, is very difficult to derive. Like I was saying, like one singular meaning from it for every person. So mm-hmm. while Russia was putting out, you know, these regulated, like photorealistic, political, cartoon type propagandas that had a very straightforward, like we're better than you, like mm-hmm. communism forever meaning, America was yeah. putting out these abstract artworks that 
ultimately confused and frightened Russia because they had no idea <laughs> what it meant. There was no boundaries. There was no rules. And it yeah. kind of frightened them because they were looking at these paintings by Jackson Pollock and they were thinking, oh my God, like we have to decode this. They're probably going to bomb <laughs> us. When in what reality, it, it was just, yeah, they, they kind of used it as like a scare tactic. It, it was, it's mm -hmm. crazy to me. Um, so what, what do you think of, of them using art as sort of like a weapon? And how do you think that like relates to Jackson Pollock's work? I think that's super cool. I love that. You know, it, it, especially if it's something you've, in that time, something you've never seen like that before. And especially if you're living in Russia too, and you've just kind of seen these photorealistic, perfect paintings, looking at something like a Pollock piece is going to blow your mind. <laughs> Like you're gonna look at it and think yeah what the heck does this mean um i think it's kind of genius and it, i think it's cool that they used art as a sort of a psychological tool a weapon um you could say to kind of confuse these these russians i think that's amazing yeah i definitely agree the, the cold war was was something else entirely because it was a war without without the traditional tactics of okay let's just like go over there and just like drop you know a bomb <laughs> on them or something yeah like it wasn't like that it was like mm -hmm. okay let's see what we can do without like doing any like actual damage with killing people yeah. and still freak them out and like win <laughs> like essentially like win this this war yeah. Um, on, on what can we do to confuse them the most? Yeah. Send and them like, a Pollock piece. <laughs> literally. Because even people <laughs> in America, they didn't really know like what it meant. And obviously a lot of people were like, well, I could do that, which no, you can't, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, even people in America, like when abstract art was just getting big, they they didn't know what it meant but that's kind of the beauty of abstract art is like it can mean mm -hmm. something different for everyone and if you find a piece of artwork that really resonates with you it's great but when you live in a communist country and you've never seen something like that before like you said it's kind of mind-blowing and it could be you know a threat and you wouldn't even know because you don't know america's crazy they're you know they they have their you know democracy and all that like it, it's, it's <laughs> insane so mm -hmm. I just thought that was really, really cool. And that's like part, the, the main reason why um, I named this episode The Secret Life of Jackson Pollock is because not a lot of people know that, you know, he was kind of used as a weapon, like his brain, his art, yeah. his mind was used as a weapon. And I just thought that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, that's super. Yeah, that's, yeah, you've mentioned it a few times in the past, but I, yeah, I didn't know. That's, that's amazing. That's so yeah. cool. This is like my main reason for wanting to do a Pollock episode. Not a lot of people <laughs> know this. And I just love telling people because they go, what, really? Are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, man. <laughs> Art's a weapon if you want it to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just kind of, it's a testament to the power of art. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So on August 8th, 1949, uh, Pollock actually received a four-page spread in Life magazine Ooh, yeah wow. uh, really really impressive he was he was like one of the biggest artists in america at the time it, it was very cool um mm -hmm. this was actually the height of his popularity um this was at his most popular point you know he was getting spreads in magazines everybody wanted to buy his work he was you know making that that money yeah 
Um, but shortly following the re release of the spread, he actually abandoned his drip painting technique altogether to explore new techniques and ideas. What? Yep. I didn't know that. He also uh, abandoned the use of color altogether following oh, wow. the spread. Yeah. That's so, interesting. Yeah. So no more drip painting and no more color. Um, so huh. I actually have a question about that. Um, do you think him abandoning color and his original like drip painting technique that got him so famous was like a sign that something was extremely wrong? Uh, you know, that, that seems a bit like a loaded question, but yeah, that does seem, <laughs> it does, that, yeah, if, if the thing that you enjoy doing and the thing that got you famous, if you stop doing that immediately, yeah, that, that's definitely, something's happening there, whether it's a very terrible thing or like a realization of a wonderful thing. Yeah. Something very drastic is happening in that scenario. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean for it to be such a loaded question. <laughs> no, it's okay. Whenever I hear someone, like everything that they've done in the past, they go, you know what? I'm not <laughs> going to do it anymore, which I do this all the time, but I never actually stop. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like to hear Pollock be like, you know what? I decided I'm not going to do drip painting anymore because I'm more than drip painting. I know like I created it and it got me famous, but I'm more than this, especially when those paintings are making so much money. You have to have some... <sighs> Yeah. Some real, like, some real confidence and some real, like, something For going real. on to, like, be able to yeah. quit what's actually, like, making you so successful altogether. Like, I don't know. It blows my mind. It's crazy to me. That's so weird. Yeah. So, so what did happen? Did he quit just because something really bad happened? Or did he, is that how he felt that he was more than, than what he'd been doing? So I, I tried to look into it and obviously no one knows what's going on inside of Pollock's head. He's, he's not oh, yeah. alive anymore. Um, <laughs> but if I had to guess, I would think it had to do with like the first and foremost, his alcoholism, which obviously mm -hmm. like throughout his life, he still continued to struggle with the, the alcoholism. Um, yeah, and maybe even, I think honestly, it, it could be depression because it, we've said mm -hmm. before um, you know, like in, in my research, even when he was getting treatment for his alcoholism, he was struggling with depression. And that was kind of part of where his alcoholism rooted from. So I kind of tend to believe that maybe, you know, it, it was a combination of like him being like, okay, I want to be a successful artist. And then it happens and he's not happy. And he's like, this That's, is what I wanted. Yeah. Why am I not happy anymore? And him mm -hmm. thinking this might, must not be right. Maybe I need to change something. You know, yeah. because I, I have those moments too. Like, you know, I I will like set a goal for myself. And when I actually accomplish it, I'll be like, you know what? When I do this, that's when I'll be happy. And like, sometimes mm -hmm. it doesn't work. And I'm like, oh my God, what did I do? Like, why did I, why did I just like work <laughs> yeah. so hard? Will and, I ever like, be happy um, at all? <laughs> yeah, I, I totally like, I, I totally understand like that feeling. And like, just mm -hmm. from my personal experience, I kind of feel like maybe that was, that reason. would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Sounds a lot like a, a little horse that we both know. 
A horse. Is that called, like Bojack, Bojack Horseman. Dude, I was writing this whole episode and I was like thinking like, oh my God, this is literally like about Bojack Horseman. Why am I writing a podcast yeah. episode about Bojack Horseman? But yeah, no, sense. with the alcoholism and the not being happy and the everything, maybe I'm just mm-hmm. thinking like maybe that's the reason why because I literally am on the last episode of Bojack Horseman. I, I'm oh literally going to go finish it after we're done recording this episode, but it sounds so just good. like Bojack Horseman. Like, exactly oh, like man. Bojack Horseman. To a T, yeah. literally. Yeah, that's... Yeah, you were talking about that. I was like, oh, that sounds a little bit familiar. But yeah, it would totally make sense that, you know, those are real problems that people struggle with. Um, and it would make sense that, yeah, once he kind of... He got everything he wanted, he realized, well... I mean, this isn't what I want at all. Yeah, no. Yeah. It sucks thinking that you want something and then working so hard for it. And when you actually get it, it's like this, I'm not happy. Maybe this mm-hmm. isn't what I wanted. And I think that yeah. like that was his kind of like grasping at straws for something that would make him happy. And I think that's partially like, I don't know about you, but like when I, you know, take color out of my work and when I stop making things with color, that's like, when I'm sad I don't like to make things with color when I'm sad if I'm in a better place that's when I make like my most colorful works and if you scroll through my Instagram like you can see what I'm going (laughs) through it because it'll be like the brightest colors in the world and then you're like oh October 2017 everything's in black and white for some (laughs) reason (laughs) so I don't know that's another reason yeah there's just something about color that especially when working with art art and color just yeah it can be very powerful I think but yeah yeah, when you stop using that kind of that kind of color then you kind of I think art loses some of its power I mean there's definitely some really successful black and white pieces um but yeah that's that's hard So in 1955, um, Pollock actually, during this year, painted his final two paintings. Uh, While he still wasn't using the drip painting technique that he made, that made him famous, he actually did start to include color in the two final paintings. Um, Okay. Yeah, the, the following year, he actually didn't paint at all. He picked up sculpting and work, worked exclusively under uh, a man named Tony Smith, um, and he used wire, gauze, and plaster in all of his sculptures. Okay, interesting. So, um, around this time period, uh, he actually, his relationship with his wife, uh, Lee Krasner, um, it began to kind of, like, crumble and, like, go through some stuff, um, Uh due mainly to his battle with alcoholism but he was also cheating on her with a woman named ruth kligman Ooh, yeah yeah which i hate that i it makes me not like him i just don't like when when people treat women like that and like cheat on or anybody for that matter like if if you cheat on somebody that makes me you know i just just, don't like yeah that's yeah that's one of those things you can't really in my eyes I don't think you can come back from that (laughs) yeah so that was kind of like a rough patch in their marriage um was the whole like year of 1956 where he was having this affair with Ruth Kligman um Mm -hmm. it just kind of like made his marriage suffer um and also 
like I would also attribute the alcoholism to be kind of the reason why because you know I, I don't know I don't drink but you know when you're drunk you don't make good decisions like it's just a mm-hmm. scientific fact so yeah. I think that that definitely had a part of it um mm-hmm. So on August 11th, 1956, at 10.15 p.m., Jackson Pollock died at 44 years old after crashing his Oldsmobile into a tree only one mile away from his home while he was under the influence of alcohol. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. So um, a woman named Edith Metzger uh, and his mistress, Ruth Kligman, were also in the car with him during the crash. Edith Metzger was also killed on impact, but Ruth Kligman miraculously survived the crash. Yikes. Yeah, that's... Oh, that's bad. It's really bad. This is like... It it sucks. And if you watch the movie Pollock, you'll understand. Because they do... They paint this picture of him that is not very lovely, but I think it's accurate. Which is... Mm -hmm. It sucks. And I hate to say that about someone who is such a genius, but it's it's so... It's upsetting. And I like to think that he was just, you know, a victim of of alcoholism, and that's, like, the main reason for his downfall. But, like, come on. If you're gonna go out, why are you taking out, you know, another person with you? Like, Edith didn't do anything wrong other than getting in the car with him when he was drunk and it's just sad you know yeah that's a that's a super yeah difficult topic um yeah it's 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 hard to kind of dissect that kind of thing but yeah that's gosh that's just so sad yeah especially on an art podcast (laughs) yeah but (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe not the place but yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's just really sad and I just it kind of upsets me that you know, he would put other people at risk, but, Mm -hmm. you know, he, you know, he paid the price for it. He's, you know, he died very young and he, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but you know, that's the way his story ends. Mm -hmm. Um, So four months after his crash, Pollock was given a memorial exhibit at the Museum of Modern Art in New York City. And, um, Lee Krasner, his his wife, who they never divorced or anything like that. He did cheat on her and he had a mistress, but they were still together. This was only, this whole mistress thing only happened like the last year of his life. But um, oh. she, uh, she managed his estate and she also like made sure that he was remembered fondly. She kept his art around and popular as long as she possibly could. And she did a great job because we're still talking about him in 2020. Um, yeah but yeah uh so she continued to you know manage his estate and manage his artwork um for him until she died in 1984 almost 30 years later and she was 75 years old and she died of natural causes wow yeah that's a long life yeah so that's nice that that she she kind of uh you know it's nice that she kept around the art and she, you know, kind of pushed Pollock's art um, into the spotlight. That's yeah, I think that I think that shows, like, the kind of relationship and character that they had. I think she knew that, yeah. like, deep down, even though obviously no one wants their husband to cheat on them, but I think that deep mm-hmm. down she knew, like, you know, Jackson Pollock 
this is not who he is. He's, you know, a victim of, you know, this addiction that he has. And like, yeah, he's not around anymore. And I'm going to do my best to, you know, keep his art relevant and, you know, manage his estate and, you know, do what I think is best. And I think that's like very brave of her. And like, just it shows a lot about her character and what a, you know, uh, poor, poor thing. Like, I feel bad that she had to put up with that. But you know she still yeah. came out of it strong and i think you know that's like very admirable and a, a good yeah. thing that she did yeah um, she definitely showed her love for him even after he passed that's yeah that's really nice yeah um so is there any other thoughts that you have on jackson pollock uh did you learn anything new about him that that was really interesting that you wanted to Heck talk yeah. about i yeah i I loved this. I honestly did not know much about Jackson Pollock. Um, I learned a little bit about him in my art history class several years ago, two years ago. I don't even know anymore. But um, yeah, I didn't know much about him, but this was really eye-opening. I I didn't know much about his involvement in the Cold War. I think that's so cool. Um, I love that they, that they used his art as a weapon, um, like a psychological tool. I think that's so awesome. Um, but yeah, thank you for sharing. I, I really didn't know much about him and now I do. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, thank you for listening. I love talking about Pollock. I think he's, uh, a great example of, of an American artist. And, you know, although he had this past and he's done like such not great things and he's not the best person, I think he, he definitely shows, you know, like that you know, not everyone's perfect and people have demons and like, he's definitely shown that through his artwork. Mm -hmm. And I think that's great. I think that's a great thing to do. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think this is a great place to wrap it up. So, um, Yeah. yeah, like I always say, um, if you have a friend who's interested in art, uh, please go ahead and recommend our podcast to them. If you think they would enjoy it, it's great to listen to like while you're working on artwork, Um, You can also go ahead and give us five stars if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Um, If you feel inclined, you can send us a message on Anchor. Uh, The link to our Anchor is in our Instagram bio at Artwise Podcast. Um, So if you feel inclined, you can go ahead and do that. Um, And yeah, I I think that's pretty much it. Do you have anything else to add? Uh, I don't think so. I I love Pollock. He like He made something new. He's a cool dude. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next Monday. Uh, All right, bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.